If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast today. I have my good buddy Hedjun back on as we talk EPL this week. Hedjun, are you feeling extremely, extremely good right now, especially <laughs> with what ended up happening last weekend? Can you tell? I know. Uh, um, no, I think it was uh, one of the best matches that I ever saw. Uh, not because, not just because Man United won, but. Uh, it was an exciting game. There was a lot of uh, back and forth. Right. Um, unfortunately, De Gea decided to shut uh, shut the. Uh, and there are all those the memes. Yeah. There are all those memes <laughs> that were coming out. So to give our listeners some context, if you guys don't know, uh, Man U and Tottenham had a game, and unfortunately for TK, who's one of our good c- friends from college, who's a huge Tottenham supporter. They ended up taking the loss, taking the L 1-0 against Man U. And Man U, this was their first big test with uh, Skolskar as their new as their new manager. And this was the first big game against the top six. And Man U looked really good, honestly. Even though it was only 1-0, they, they, they impressed me. Yeah, I mean, like we said on the last podcast and like you just said, just now uh yeah it, it was gonna be a big test because the last six matches was with bottom tier teams they're cupcake teams yeah basically. uh but but uh well i kind of lost my train of thought but let me let me see if i can get back into it uh oh yeah uh so the first half was really good right a lot of back and forth. Uh, Rashford scoring that nice, nice goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second half is where it kind of got scary for me, right? If it was De Gea in the beginning of the season form, it could have been like, we could have lost like 4-1. It could have been bad. Yeah, yeah it could have been really bad, but it was very vintage De Gea where you think, oh, wow, this is this is the best goalkeeper in the world right now. That being said, uh, I I mean, I'm sure you've noticed too, but there are still glaring uh, glaring issues with the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, winter transfer window, we're going to need to get someone. Um, I saw Phil Jones make a, a few mistakes yep. that could have been really costly. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely touch upon that portion of things yeah. in terms of what we need uh later on in the in probably the second half of the podcast but just purely looking at the game it it was really impressive the way Manu was able to play especially with the form that we've seen them in this past season and De Gea just looked unbelievable and yeah I think I think some of that could have been attributed to some of the defensive mistakes that were made in front of him but they finally looked like a team. It didn't mm-hmm. seem like it was super disjointed or anything like that. They finally looked like a team. 
Yeah. Uh, so had you, I'm gonna good. I'm gonna ask you this question every single week until you admit <laughs> your mistake. Do you do you think Paul Pogba has kind of redeemed himself now with this performance? He ended up providing that assist to Rashford on the goal. Uh, no. <laughs> as you guys can no, tell, tell, as you guys can tell, Hedjun has a very stubborn person. No, I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> and he has a lot I'll of pride. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because um, I don't think the way he was playing under Reno, yes, some some had to do with the tactical tactical side of it. But the way that he's playing now, it just kind of enforces like the notion that like, oh maybe he wasn't like he wanted to get Reno fired, so he wasn't playing hard. So he's basically playing this like grandmaster chess game, basically. And yeah, I I guess and like I'm like a very firm believer of no player is greater than the team itself. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, yeah, you gotta have beef with your manager. You guys are gonna have, you know, y- there there are gonna be like times when when you're gonna be very upset with each other. But I don't know, like you work it out and like you move on. You you guys are supposed to be professionals. Mm. And some, I mean, a little bit. Some part of me thinks that also has to do with Mourinho because he can be very petty. Mm-hmm. But still, like. Just the fact that they haven't been able to work it out. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. it. Well, we've been talking about this week after week mm. after week, trying to catch you. I'm trying to catch you in a apologetic mood. But it seems <coughs> like he it seems like Pogba's kind of he it, it looked like he checked out on the team when it was under Mourinho. And we you've got you guys have heard this week after week after week from us that he's really turned it on in these past couple of weeks. And I think for Man U, all Man U can k- really do is ride out this wave of good fortune that they've been on. They're probably the hottest team in the league right now, um, now that I think about it. Yeah, we are uh, only behind Liverpool by one goal differential. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we caught up to them faster than I had anticipated. But I mean, I'm not complaining. So, yeah, it, it's. I think it's it's really fun to see Manu do this well, honestly, because I think it brings For you really. Well, well, I could say that because we're up on top right now. <laughs> <laughs> but because it's, I think it brings more excitement to the league, honestly, and I like seeing these rivalry matches. And in about a month or so. We have a match to look forward to between our two respective teams. And I think that's probably the next big test for um, Liverpool um, in the league besides Champions League Mm -hmm. coming up. And I'm curious, I guess we could kind of transition to Liverpool now. And for me, they ended up grinding out a 1-0 win against Brighton. And Brighton's been a team that's been very, how do I explain this, plucky slash annoying like they've been a team that has has been able to stick around against good teams and and play with these one zero games low scoring games and Salah ended up getting that PK call and then ended up 
I thought it was a pretty clear penalty. I thought he ended up on his, on the way back of his shot. Like as he was about to shoot it, he got his leg sweeped up, mm-hmm. sweeped in front of like sweeped under him. Um so I thought it was a pretty clear PK and then he ended up converting. Um which is what you would like to see from all good goal scorers. But it would have been nice to put in a couple more goals. But on the other hand, it was an, a really tough away game. So I'm not complaining that from here on out, Liverpool's going to get everyone's best shot, knowing that they're at the top of the league. So they have this huge, massive target on their back. So I'm not too happy with the amount of goals they put in but at the same time I'm pretty happy that they're able to grind out a result because five years ago they three five to three to five years ago they wouldn't have been able to grind out a win like this and if your players get injured especially your defense yeah I mean that's like one that's another topic that we need to talk about and I think if you even looked at this lineup um, last week, it was a pretty curious lineup, especially having Fabinho being um, in that back line as one of the center center defenders along with Virgil van Dyke. And I, I thought it was a pretty curious move, but um, with Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's going to be out for about a month now, it's, he, it's an imperative that there needs to be this right back, there's this huge right back void right now, especially with Alexander Arnold being out. Joe Gomez is out. We loaned out Nathaniel Klein, so we're kind of in this mode of who's going to fill this right back position. I wouldn't be surprised if it's some combination of Milner, Fabinho, uh, something <laughs> like that. So I'm not exactly sure who the guy's gonna who who the guy is gonna be for the next month or so, but I. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Milner first who gets the first shot and then maybe Fabinho to to spell him. Well, if if Milner gets injured, I think that's it for you. That like your chance of winning the championship is getting slimmer and slimmer. Well, at that point, yeah, and it's it's a really worrisome time that especially right after Nathaniel Klein gets loaned out. Alexander Arnold gets hurt and I and that's almost it just kind of like divine intervention where God is like you shouldn't have you shouldn't have done that you shouldn't have gotten rid of uh, Nathaniel Klein and I that's why I was still perplexed at the move at the time and now I'm even more like hesitant and don't really see what Jurgen Klopp was doing in that situation I've trusted Klopp throughout the whole process um, as he's been manager this past couple of years, but this is like one move that could kind of jeopardize the chances of Liverpool taking the league. Classic Liverpool. I, like, do you? For I have a question for you. Do you feel like I'm oh being overly concerned about this situation because there's not really an experienced right back behind Alexander Arnold. It seems like it's going to be Milner that has that next uh, spot. And then they have this guy named uh, Rafael Camacho, who's, the, who's their young guy that uh, that is a possibility, as well as this other young kid, 18, 19-year-old kid named Kajana Hoover. 
So it it's very it's very shaky at this point as to who's going to be filling that right back spot. It's funny how you uh, say, uh, like, TAA is like almost like a veteran. Yeah, I mean like he's that's like twenty one. It's like crazy. Yeah, he's twenty one. I mean, he's still so young. I mean, you guys have Milner. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and Hedjun's getting sick uh, again. I'm still not hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the question? Well, I'm just. Do you think I'm being overly concerned about the right back position? No. Um, let's let's go back to Tottenham for a second. Like I'm gonna use Tottenham as an example. Um, and we can explain their injury situation well, that's happened yeah, now too. The the so if you look at the starting eleven for Tottenham, they are definitely a championship caliber team. Like they they could be league winners, mm-hmm. right? Um, you got such good talent up top, solid midfield, uh, a very good you know back four, and a world class goalkeeper. But the reason why they're not able to win is because of their depth. Right, right? exactly. And I feel like that's what Liverpool has been struggling in the past, uh, except like this beginning of this year, right? Mm-hmm. You said, oh man, like, yeah, we have the depth now. Um, you know, we can definitely win it if we can keep up the lead. lead. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's happened until now. So I think you you should be concerned. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it seems like Klopp is standing pat on his uh, transfer um, transfer plans in terms of not really bringing anyone in for this transfer period. And I think it's his whole philosophy of not trying to integrate another player into yeah. the team, things like that. But it, if it starts getting to, like, the fifth option on as a right-back fifth sixth option i'm gonna start to get a little bit worried um at that point because it's it's starting to get a little bit scary as who we're gonna be putting at right back to the point where i don't i'm i'm not exactly sure what's gonna happen um at that position and you guys have a lot of uh other weekday competitions to worry about well we're out of the fa cup um ended up losing that one so and they're out of Carabao, I believe. So I they don't have too many uh, weekday competitions to worry about other than Champions League. So I think mm-hmm. that'll be a, a lesser concern. And Champions League starts in about a couple, like three weeks or so. So it's not a huge concern in, in that respect. But it would be nice to have one right back healthy. Hopefully Joe Gomez is his back healthy before... Um, we played Bayern um, Munich in Champions League, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see what ends up happening with that right back position. And we we didn't really fully mention what um, Tottenham's injury problems as well. Harry Kane ended up getting hurt, and he's out till March, I believe. And Son Heung-min is at the Asian Games, and he'll he'll if Korea progresses past the knockout stages all the way up to the final he's going to be missing four to five matches um with tottenham so tottenham's kind of feeling this void up top as well so i'm i'm very curious to see what happens with is for fernando lorente getting getting the minutes up there are they going to put someone like deli ali put a false nine up 
I'm very curious to see how they construct that lineup. So the best case scenario for Tottenham is for Korea to crash out of the tournament. They're probably they're probably paying off refs at this yeah. point to make I be to surprised. make bad calls um, yeah. against Korea. But um, also there could uh, Aurier 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 yeah could uh, miss some time. Because of uh, sexual assault allegations, I've heard. So, uh, yeah, he just got out of jail. Mm -hmm. I think on bail, maybe? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, there's definitely going to be a court hearing and and a police investigation. So, (coughs) even if he doesn't go to jail, there might be um, some uh, club, like, Dishing out some penalties against him, maybe like banning him for a few matches. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, th- I think there it's not as big of a concern, but because of Trippier being there yeah. at that spot, so it's not too huge of a concern in that that aspect of things. But Trippier has been uh, I, playing he, with a groin injury, right? Well, he's, he's been, been he's been in it. out of in and out of the lineup. I think more more so though is like. That attack is that's a ga- huge gaping hole oh, yeah. that Harry Kane's leaving up, and Son has probably been the, their second or third best player on the field for Tottenham this season, or at least in the past, I would say five to ten games. So I'm kind of curious to see where the goals come from um, out of that group, and that's going to be their big concern as they try to hold on. Um, in the top four, because I think Man U, I believe Man U and Arsenal are tied at forty-one points, and they're six points out of fourth spot, um, like behind Chelsea. I think seven points, but yeah, I think it might be seven. Seven. I'm checking right now, and it's six points. Ah, yeah. So six points behind. Um, and Arsenal, we we didn't we get we get to touch upon them a little bit. They ended up kind of. Having a bad loss against West Ham, while West Ham's this clear, clear cut middle of the road <laughs> mid tier table team, Arsenal should not be losing to a team like West Ham one zero. Um, I, I'm sure it's very frustrating for uh, a newly minted fan in Andrew Kim, uh, who's a new <laughs> Gunners fan, and it, it's fairly interesting to see his reactions as he follows. Uh, this team but that's that's the beauty of uh premier league though because uh the underdogs definitely can have a chance at beating a top four caliber team mm-hmm. whereas any other league matches uh i don't know bundesliga um it's like if you think it's rare in the premier league yeah then it's like ultra ultra yeah. rare for that to happen. So if in you're other to leagues. like, if you're into like sports betting, and if you see Barcelona playing any of the like bottom, besides bottom teams, Atletico and Barcelona, right? It's like or, or Real Madrid. I mean, it's like okay, well they're gonna win, so let me win some free money. Exactly. You know what I mean, like that's that's the way it goes. But uh, in the Premier League, it, it's, I mean, that's what's exciting about it, right? Is that it truly shows that the ball is round. Yeah, and I, I'm. I'm curious to see how Arsenal responds to that. They've kind of hit this rough patch. 
And I'm I'm curious to see whether or not over the next month or so, Arsenal or Man U can kind of make a move into the top four. It seems like Man U's on this hot streak, and they're more likely to to do that and break into the top four. But I'm very curious to see what ends up happening. Um, other news around the league. One one piece of news that I did want to highlight is the manager for Huddersfield Town. You, former U.S. men's national team player David Wagner ended up leaving the club um, over mutual consent. It seems like his time ran out there, especially with Huddersfield Town being eight points from the bottom um, or eight points away from relegation. So they're sitting at 11 points. Cardiff City, who's at 17th place in that last spot, it, uh, before re- relegation is sitting at 19 points. So they really need to turn it back on. Uh, they've, it, I think for David Wagner, he did a magnificent job last year in leading the club to safety and then also guiding this team two years ago into the league. So there's he, he can hold his head up high, especially with the job and managing performance that he was able to do there. Another piece of news. That's not related to transfers, uh-huh. uh, which I, I was surprised that Kevin didn't know, but Petr Cech is set to retire at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, he w- he transferred to Arsenal. Uh, was it last season? Yeah, he, yep, he ended uh, up transferring. Yep. Well, a couple years ago. From, from yeah. Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, and this season... He kind of fell out of favor from uh, Emery. You Emery, Emery. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Uh, and Leno took his place. Mm-hmm. And Leno, I, I'm surprised that he hasn't done as well as he did in in Bundesliga. But uh, yeah, he seems to have fallen out of favor. So Czech is just gonna retire with his, you know, when when the crowd is still clapping for him. So. I mean, it's sad to see him go because he's such a like an old school goalie. Mm-hmm. And if you guys don't know uh, why he wears a headgear, it's because he uh, he fractured his skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, like going for a loose ball. Yeah, in, I forget which match it was, but it was pretty gruesome because he took a. Basically, a foot to the face, yep. like spikes to the face, yep. and like fractured his skull, um, concussion, and everything. And if you if you look at like any of the players that had a fractured skull, that like could be a career-ending injury. Mm-hmm. But he was able to persevere and come. Yeah, back and he he was dominating the league for for a long time. He won so many trophies under Chelsea, and um, yeah, it's really sad to see him go because I've. I've hated him so much. Right, because of how good he was. Right. Um, and he was probably the best goalie in the league for... He had that uh, title slash mantle for a, mm. for years in the league, um, especially when Chelsea was winning titles left and right. And I thought he he did a very good job while he was there in his club. And he was... For Czech Republic, he did a really good job uh, leading that team as well. But here's a question. Mm-hmm. So he's only 36. Yeah. 
That's pretty. I would consider that young for a goalie. I wouldn't mm. consider young. Well, but no, it's, but, but like he probably people, has a few more right people years could still left play. in his tank. Right, right. Um, do you think the the general like career of goalies are becoming shorter and shorter? No, I I think it's just a one off type of experience. Mm. I I think he, like you were talking about before, he's a. I think honestly, he's being he's a little bit discouraged about his playing time at Arsenal and because of the situation there. And if he really wanted to play, I'm sh- pretty sure about 15, 14 other Premier League teams would gladly take him and be able to play. I'm not exactly sure, though, if he wants to subject himself to going to a different uh, team like that. Okay, but here's my argument, right? Okay. Look at... <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, look at Manu Neuer, mm-hmm. right? He's... I think 30. 30. Yeah. Um he he had a couple of uh surgeries on his broken foot. Mm-hmm. That maybe that's why he's not playing as well this this season, but you see the the drop in form. Right? He was mm-hmm. probably the best goalie of like in this generation for for at least like 5 or 6 years. Mm-hmm. But then you see him just tr- like fall out of form and then two joe hart i mean he literally fell off a cliff though yeah so and he's he's still young he's yeah th- mid mid th- uh he's I th- yeah he's still relatively young but i think the distinction between hart and then maybe check and neuer is check and neuer were checks getting older neuer's i would say purely an injury thing and then Heart was more, it's more of a mental thing in, in between his ears type of thing. Like, I just don't, I think his skill level has taken a drop off because maybe he's lost confidence. Mm. And I, I'm not exactly sure if it's a loss in athleticism and things like that. You still have guys like Hugo Lloris who are performing at a relatively high level at his age. I mean, we could kind of even look towards PSG and Buffon and he's he's doing his thing over there as well. So it's like it's still impressive to see guys like that Buffon at at his age performing. But I mean, I I could understand your trend maybe. I think maybe the trend of that might be goalkeeping requires a little bit more athleticism nowadays and also requires goalies that are better with their feet because this mentality of being a sweeper keeper is kind of more prevalent and being able to play from the back see but with athleticism that like falls off a cliff past your 30s right 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 so i don't know like yeah maybe maybe we'll see more goalies retiring at 35 36 right and and to be said like to finish the finish the point on Peter Cech is it's the end of like a pretty great era um, of of just like amazing goalkeeping uh, that he's had in the Premier League so it's it it's kind of sad to see him go because of how good he was in in between the pipes and he was so smart and he was able to um, he was able to make really really tough saves diving left and right and he was he was just really impressive overall 
Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of sad, but I also kind of happy to see him go <laughs> because of of the teams that he ended up playing for. Um, so overall, like we've gone through 22 games in the league. Liverpool is still leading Man City by four points. That's the gap by four points. Tottenham is five points behind them at 48 points, and then Chelsea's a point behind Tottenham, 47. And then we mentioned Arsenal and Man U being six points behind Chelsea. But then a- after that, there's a huge drop-off um, after the top six. So we've kind of talked about how after Boxing Day and after the Christmas period, the New Year period, uh, with a bunch of games that are all really close together, that would separate the men from the boys, and that's kind of what's happened here um, pretty much every time in the league. And I'm I'm oh, I'm about to lose my voice or something. Um, so Premier League has been talking about or mulling over um, implementing like any other league in Europe. A break, winter a break. break. Yeah. Right? And to mid-tier and, and lower-tier teams, that's like music to their ears. Right. Because then they can retool. Rest. Um, they can rest their players. And it would be so interesting to see how well mid-tier teams can keep up against the top four, top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, if those breaks get implemented, because in the beginning of the season, right? Bournemouth. No, yeah, nobody knows. Right. Bournemouth, Watford, Wolves were in it as well, where they were pretty much staying staying level with the top six teams. And you kind of see the separation now. And during that period, and this kind of goes well in and transitioning into our talk about transfer period and bringing players in, is that it really emphasized during that period it really emphasizes the depth aspect of any team especially if you are you're a rich club like Liverpool like Man City like Man U uh Chelsea or if you're one of those clubs you guys can we can afford to take players on and buy players so they can sit on the bench and be depth pieces, whereas other teams would basically be relying them to play starter minutes. And that's when mid-tier teams end up running into trouble. So I think that's that's really the huge difference there um, in that there's an ability to have this squad rotation without there being a huge drop-off from usual starters to bench players on these top six teams whereas in mid-table teams or even lower level premier league teams once that rotation ends up happening because guys need to rest there's a a more significant drop-off in skill skill and level of play and that's a huge concern for these lower level teams but the break like you were saying if they're like if it's implemented then there's a better chance of rest, recovery, being able to retool, being able to strategize a little bit more for the second half of the second half of the year. And a lot of Premier League teams, well, the top four, uh, at least the fans complain that you know we haven't seen a Premier League team win the Champions League uh, because we don't get that break. Uh huh. And that's important, right? Because, I mean, the, obviously, the more rest you get, it, the more event, like, 
the the fresher your body is. Right. So, I mean, yeah, we kind of went off tangent here, but. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. Just who cares? Like we're on a po- like we could talk about whatever we want, but at the same time, it's um I think it's really interesting to see what ends up happening for the next like couple weeks of the season because Liverpool doesn't have like a, any huge matchups coming up. I mean, their their fixture list isn't extremely daunting. If if you kind of interviewed a, a casual fan, you would everyone would say Liverpool is pretty much favored in the next four matches before the Man U match on February 24th. But Liverpool has Crystal Palace, Leicester, West Ham, and then Bournemouth before they head into um, a break for a couple weeks. So those are games that Liverpool should all probably win. But like I was saying before, Liverpool is going to get everyone's best shot knowing with everyone knowing that they're sitting at the top of the table. So I'm curious to see how they perform in the next four matches. And it'll it'll be interesting. Like this Crystal Palace match, it's at it's at Anfield, so it shouldn't be that hard of a match and they shouldn't. should right. And it shouldn't, but you just never know what ends up happening. Well, and yeah. I and then Man U also has Brighton this weekend, so, so it shouldn't be it should be interesting. So match. do you do you think uh because you guys have some easier matchups coming up, uh that you guys aren't as concerned I think with I think the amount of injuries that, that you guys are experiencing. Maybe like if you had ver- like I don't know, played top top six teams in the next three weeks out of four four weeks. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot more of a concern for sure, but these four teams are teams that I think Liverpool is clearly better than, even if they're experiencing injury problems. So I'm, I, I think it's pretty clear there. But um, do you, do you think Liverpool would have made a more significant transfer offers? D- no, I just don't. I I think Klopp would be smarter in terms of not letting Klein mm. go. But I, I think his philosophy is he's pretty staunch in his philosophy. So I, I doubt he would be bringing in any players to play in. Well, I think he would be like, oh, you're not allowed to leave Nathaniel Klein because we need you for these next four games or so. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So one one matchup that I did want to preview for next week before we end up tra- uh, moving over and talking about transfers is, speaking of Peter Cech, He's going to be playing his old team, Chelsea, Arsenal versus Chelsea, this weekend, um, this Saturday. It's going to be the 12-30 game. I, I think this is a really fascinating, ga- fascinating game because Arsenal is going to be able to see if they can close the gap uh, between both teams. Because if they end up losing this game, they're um, nine points behind in, in fourth place. And if they're able to close the gap and win this game, they're they're only three points behind. So I think I think you all agree with me. Um, as both Manchester and Liverpool fans, we want to see a draw. Uh, yeah, as as much as possible, yeah. we'd love to see a draw. And then I think for you, honestly, if you want if you want to be able to catch up, you're kind of rooting a little bit for Arsenal. I agree. I mean, 
just to make the race a little bit tighter amongst the top right. four. Um, if if you had to choose an outcome, I think it's draw. You'd rank it draw, then Arsenal win, then Chelsea win for sure. I mean, yeah, we wouldn't want Chelsea to get away with three points, uh, because we are right at the doorstep. Right. And what are you? Because I let's get into a little bit more. What are your thoughts on Chelsea's been kind of employing this three front three of Hazard, Pedro, and William, and and basically having Hazard play that center forward role, uh, maybe a withdrawn nine, kind of like the role that um, I believe Dries Mertens played in Napoli. So or Maurizio Sarri's kind of employing Eden Hazard in that same position as being that center forward withdrawn number nine in, in that kind of role what are your thoughts on that front three especially with Murata struggling yeah I don't I don't know if if it suits Hazard right uh I mean he's a hell of a crack uh but I just don't think he can thrive as much uh when he has like a few more uh how should I say this? Like sectors to worry about when he has the ball, right? Mm-hmm. When he's out wide, he only has to worry about basically the player that's in front of him beating that one man, going right. to the touchline, swinging in across, or cutting back in. Right, but now when he stays a little bit more central, he needs to, you know, think about who's coming behind him, who's right in front of him, you know, who's coming in from side to side. Right, and that's that's tough because. You gotta have a lot of vision. You gotta be aware. I think he has those qualities. It's just I don't think it suits him well. As well, I would right, say. Right. Right, right. I think he I think he's he's been able to perform actually pretty decently in that in that center forward type of role. But he his skills are better utilized out on the wing where he can kind of beat a player one on one and then do do something creative with the ball and use his speed and i'm curious to see what ends up happening especially against arsenal because arsenal's kind of struggled with those types of pacey i would say players especially on their back line and i i don't know who arsenal's going to start it seems like it's kind of a mix and match of guys in terms of what they end up doing it seems like they're pretty set on a bombing um and lacazette that that pair but the ozil thing is a little bit of a who knows what's and who's who knows what's happening uh with that lineup i mean he kind of fell out of favor yeah he's a luxury player for sure now Mm -hmm. i think under emery yeah um so i don't i don't see him uh starting maybe he'll come off the bench when when they're in a pinch but Mm -hmm. I mean, Ozo tends to disappear in big games, and this is a big game. And yeah, I, I just don't see him being part of the equation. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to be interesting. Speaking of Chelsea, Chelsea's been in the news a lot for their transfer moves. We And so as we transition to transfer news and uh, the transfer period, Chelsea's been in the news a lot for them. They, earlier in the period, we talked about it in our last podcast, Christian, Christian Pulisic getting signed to that big money deal 
by Chelsea. Chelsea's also actually bringing in uh, Gonzalo Higuain um, on a loan move. So he, th- he's he's coming in to kind of solve that center forward problem, and he'll immediately probably be starting in in place in that center forward role, moving Hazard out wide, and then probably putting Pedro to the bench. So I'm curious to see what ends up happening with Murata and seeing if that's if there's a change there or if uh, Olivier Giroud ends up going to Man U like you like you want. <laughs> I don't think so. But yeah, because Rashford's kind of right. killing it yeah. now. But I'm cu- I'm curious to see what ends up happening there, <laughs> um, and seeing what seeing if Murata ends up leaving for Atletico and leaving the Premier League, and all those types of things. And then we also talked about Chelsea's um, uh, Callum Hudson Odai, who's getting interest from Bayern Munich. So there's a bunch of moves that Chelsea can be making. But I I wonder what actually ends up bearing out. Mm, they offered him, I think, double the wages that he's getting paid now. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll entice him to stay. But I mean, if if you're gonna play for Bayern, like that's, I would take it. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Liverpool, like we talked about, is kind of out of it in terms of not making any transfer moves because of the policy that that um, Jurgen Klopp has employed. But I think one of the interesting transfer moves or transfer rumors that are out there is possibly signing Weston McKinney for twenty million dollars. That is possibly on the table for Jurgen Klopp. I would love that as obviously an American and a U.S. men's national team uh, fan. It would be really great to get one of those guys, especially a young kid like him who's 20 years old um, on my favorite team. And then Man U, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on some of the rumors that are going and swirling around Man U, especially with my beloved Philip Coutinho, who ended up leaving Liverpool for Barcelona, there are rumors happening that he might be looking at a move to go to Man U. No, I don't want him. I never liked him as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, we have enough players who can play out wide right? that I, I don't really feel the need for him to come in and, and kind of take that spot. Um, I think I think where he might help is that earlier in the year there was that cre- maybe that lacking of a creative spark, and he's a true number ten who could play off of the off of the forward off of Rashford. So he might be an interesting piece, but it seems like Pogba is kind of thriving in that role. Yeah, and and Coutinho doesn't his pace isn't he, he's not as fast as people think he is, right? He's a little. I think he's more quick, right. I would say. Yeah. But on a counterattacking kind of situation, I don't think he'll be able to keep up for me personally. Is, is this like a dig at old Liverpool players? I mean, if he's good enough for Barcelona, I think he might be good enough for Man U. Yeah. Stylistically, it might be, uh, it could be a, a individual preference, obviously. But I'm curious to see what he was pretty deadly in, in counterattacks for Liverpool. Um, when he was at Liverpool, mm. so I mean, I I honestly w- would hate it if he went to Manu just because 
for him to go to Liverpool to Man U eventually. It would just kill me. But um, there's like other rumors going around. You mentioned in our private conversations, Douglas Costa possibly going to to Man U. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the initial initial uh, offer was like Pogba going to going back to Juventus in exchange for Douglas Costa coming in, which I I still welcome that offer. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe we don't need to pursue Douglas Costa anymore. Maybe we, like I don't know. Yeah, we we definitely need some center backs. That's what we need. We need to resign that David De Gea. Do you think? Um, I mean, th- I think there's rumors going around w- about Koulibaly, um, in terms of where he's yeah. gonna end up, and I think Man U has him pretty high on their list. I mean, yeah, he's he's probably the best one out there that's available for, at center back mm-hmm, right now for sure, and he's been kind of linked with Man U since the summer, so. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time, not a you know question of if. So God, I would love Cool Bali. Could you imagine him and Van Dyke together <laughs> in the middle of the park? That would just be unbelievable. Well, that won't happen for Liverpool. No, fans. Liverpool can't afford it. Yeah, <laughs> so probably wouldn't happen. Um, I got some other Manchester United news. Okay. Uh, obviously this shouldn't come. This should not come as a surprise to you all. Uh. Manchester United wants Skullscar to be a permanent manager. Uh-huh. Um let's get into it. What are your thoughts on it? I wouldn't mind. Honestly. Okay. Uh a lot of players respect him because he's been I mean, he's part of the legendary Manchester United squad. Mm-hmm. So I mean that commands a lot of respect from, you know, a lot of players at Manchester United already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that they were able to win so many games while he was in charge in that short amount of time. I mean, that has to instill a lot of confidence in b- the players, the staff, and the front office. So I actually wouldn't mind um, rather than, you know, looking for a new manager, uh, have having everyone relearn the new system, trying to get used to it again. I think there's just too much risk involved. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, I w- I would love to ride this out. Um, yeah, I, I I personally wouldn't mind it at all. Yeah, I mean, we had earlier conversations about who would possibly be it. I think it would be, <coughs> although Man U's had this great streak of wins, like, you need to take it for what it is. And I think it would be smart for Man U to see how they perform in Champions League first before they actually push all their chips in the middle of the table. And plus, I think there's going to be a lot of great coaching options available to them um, in in the summertime for them to kind of wait it out and make a decision then. I mean, it's not like Skullscar is going to end up going to another club before Man U offers Mm -hmm. him something full-time. So I feel like there's no big rush, and the leverage is on Man Man U's side in terms of taking their time with the decision. I know maybe they want to instill confidence in in Skullscar and possibly being able to give him that vote of confidence and say, hey, this is you're our guy and we like you going forward. But I feel like 
it would be better for them to wait it out. And I know there's all these good feels, especially after six wins. And this is just the nature of how football works in Europe in terms of their wanting wanting there to be extremely quick results one way or the other. If a team's struggling, then the manager needs to be fired right away and, and or sacked. And then if a manager is on this recent hot streak just kind of give him the world so they need to take a more i would say long-term vision slash prudent um prudent measures going forward i feel like Mm. um do you disagree with that or not really i mean no i don't disagree with that Uh yeah because i mean like i I think it's possible they might get Zidane in th- in the summer. Like they can, they might have these like ultra, 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 ultra s- successful managers. Whereas Skullscar is not that he's a bad manager, but I think he's hit the right uh, time of the schedule for him to succeed. But for me personally, I I don't think it would be a bad idea because Zidane's gonna be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. So maybe we let him get some experience un- elsewhere, mm-hmm. and then and then get him later on. I I, I mean I I, br- you know I wouldn't say no to either. Yeah, yeah. I'll so put it that way. yeah, right, right. So um, I think there's some interesting, um, decisions to be made, and I'm curious to see how Ed Woodward ends up uh, spending that transfer money, um, for Manu and spending that transfer budget. Uh, I mean, it looks like we're going to be freeing up some space. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Darmian has been connected to Inter Milan. Marcus Rojo, too, as well. Marcus Rojo, yeah, for sure. He's be leaving um, as well. Fellaini? Right, Fellaini. Surprise, That's a question, surprise. too. Um, he hasn't been playing under Skullscar at all, it seems like. So, right. I mean... Yeah, it, it wouldn't be bad to free up some space. Um, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I, I, d- I think I think all the puzzles are now, uh, you know, falling into the in, into place, and everything is just kind of like a well oiled machine right now, mm-hmm. which I'm happy about. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a couple other bits and pieces of news, not huge pieces like. Moose Dembele ends up moving uh, to Chinese team. Oh, that was such a shock for me. Yeah, so, I mean, he hadn't been playing that much for Tottenham anyway. He's 34. Right, so he's moving out there to for a Chinese team. Um, there's rumors about uh, the summer signing uh, for Barcelona, Malcolm, who's, there's rumors swirling about him already leaving Barcelona, and... I don't know. It's kind of interesting to see teams like, especially Barcelona, with these big money moves in Malcolm, in Coutinho, there being questions as to whether or not they're already leaving when they came probably for Malcolm last year and then Coutinho two years ago. So it that there's a question there. And then there's also rumors about Real Madrid in terms of what they're going to do with Gareth Bale. Um, not to get into politics, but Brexit and whether or not that has any implications on the amount of players that Real Madrid is allowed to have outside of the EU. Because if Brexit happens, then 
Gareth Bale, who's from the f- who's from Wales, would be considered outside of the EU and take up one of those spots. Yeah, that that's super interesting to me because it's it's not about the players. It, it's it's this intersection, it's much, yeah, right? It's, much it's this intersection of politics and sports where things start getting very interesting because it's not entirely because of the skill or skill on the pitch, but things and factors that are that can't be controlled at all, um, and whether or not that is a determining factor and whether or not he stays or goes. And if Brexit does happen, you know, it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be weird for well, it's not weird, but it's it's gonna be. Uh, I don't. Uh, wh- what's the word I'm looking for? Like I don't know. Uh, let's just say weird uh, for for future players because mm-hmm. that because Premier League is gonna be a lot more closed off, a lot more English now, right? Uh, and a lot of these other clubs in other leagues are not gonna be as welcoming uh to the uk players what yeah i'm curious to see what the skill development is going to be amongst the youth players in a league like the english premier league in comparison to maybe like the bundesliga or Mm. compared to um the spanish um uh division as well so i'm i'm very curious to see if that and the Brexit decision ends up changing the development of these English players because they probably most likely be playing other English players and whether it dilutes the talent of the English Premier League. Yes, yeah, super exciting how uh, politics is. Wow. <coughs> yeah, I auto-tuned Hedgen's yeah. voice. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it, it's, it's really, uh, I don't know, interesting to see politics bleeding into sports because when we think sports it's like the exact opposite of politics right Mm -hmm. or politics is behind the scenes a little bit more right because sports is meant to like uh uh i guess transcend transcend politics right like tear down those walls right exactly but in this case it's being blocked by that wall that they're trying to break down. Right. So super meta. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. um, you're getting everything here. You're getting sport. You're getting soccer. You're getting basketball. Uh-huh. You're getting football. You're getting a little bit of politics. Yeah, if as you well. want to get into additional politics, I could talk all day too. Right, right. So maybe that's a another offshoot of a podcast that me and Hedging will start <laughs> as well. So before we end up leaving for the night, Hedging. One thing I did want to talk about is Korea's chances mm. um, in the Asian Cup because Son Heung-min recently, after that Man U loss that he ended up taking, was on a plane to um, is it Dubai or it's it's somewhere in uh, is it in the UAE? UAE yeah, Dubai that area. Yeah, he he was right on a plane there so that he could join his teammates on the Korean team. Um, to contribute to the Asian Asian Cup, um, I guess, um, competition. And they were able to win their group, win against China 2-0, um, winners of the group. I'm not exactly sure who they're playing right now, or playing next in the knockout stages, in the round of 16, I believe. 
Um, I am looking Sorry, at. I, I just just got this news. Yep. Arsenal uh, basically said we're gonna let you go to Ozil. Interesting. So just now. So that'll be interesting to see where he ends up as well. So we're all we're breaking news on the podcast yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious to see where he ends up, where he ends up. I think he would look good in a various number of teams. He can definitely be utilized. Yeah, maybe I, he it's can just go back to Real. Yeah, it's just a it's just whether or not he's bought into the system and whether or not a coach is willing to use him in the right positions for him to succeed. Mm. Yeah. Um sorry, C- kind of got sidetracked, but I do have the uh the Asian Cup uh tournament um uh schedule. Yep. So, um we got Korea playing Bahrain. Mm-hmm. Um and then we got Qatar playing Iraq. Uh and then so the winners of those those four will versus each other. Um you got UAE and Kyrgyzstan. Mm-hmm. And uh Australia and Uzbekistan. So the winners of those four will versus each other. And the winners of those teams will get to they play in the semifinals. Semis, yeah. Yep. So that's that's the one half of the tournament. Uh the other side is Thailand versus China, uh, Iran versus Oman. So those four will, uh, the winners of those four will go into quarters. Um, and then you got Jordan, Vietnam, Japan, and J- Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. So uh, I think Korea is in a favorable uh, position. The only thing they are going to have to watch out for is Australia, probably in the semis. Yeah, and Uzbekistan gave them some trouble during qualifying. Yeah. Um, so that's a possible team, whoever ends up. It's basically whoever ends up out of that Australia-Uzbekistan matchup is going to be probably that troublesome team, that the most troublesome team that Korea probably has to look out for. And then it's... It, I mean, it's probably looking at South Korea, Japan in the finals. I'd be curious to see what ends up if they're both able to get to the finals, and that would be a very, very fascinating matchup to watch uh, yeah. from there. No, for sure. Um, and <coughs> excuse me, um, Australia and Korea were were clashed in last. Uh, what was it? Four years ago? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. It was four years ago. It was the finals, and and Korea lost by a slim margin. Um, yeah, it was. It was a heartbreaking, yeah, uh, way to lose. I think they lost in overtime. I mm-hmm. believe they did. Extra yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I remember Sonamin crying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's gonna be a match for sure. But yeah, if if Japan and Korea meet in the finals, can you imagine? the uh, the excitement and and the i don't know the resentment yeah uh, i i mean it'll be a classic korea japan yeah. type of matchup and especially with the players that are going to be playing in those games it's going to be very exciting because it's not going to be diluted because of it 
because it's U23 or anything like that. These are the full men's national yep. teams, so they'll have the both teams will be at full strength. Um, brought in every single player that they needed to bring in um, to be at full strength. So I'm very curious to see what ends up happening. So we'll be monitoring that as we go on as the tournament goes on. And um, yeah, I there's not much else to share. The transfer season's been a little bit slow this January. I'm sure it'll start picking up next week and the week after that when uh, January 31st hits because that's when all the big, I would say, panic moves end up happening. So I'm curious to see um, what moves happen, where now Mesut Ozil ends up as well. So thanks, Hedjun, for joining me on this edition of the Kevin and HJ podcast. And for those of you that guys that haven't subscribed yet, subscribed yet, please subscribe. I know we've been saying this for a long time, but me and Hedjun are coming up with a design, a uh, new cover art, a new name, and then probably new Instagram, Twitter, and um, maybe a website on the work. So um, we're really excited to bring you all this new content for the new year. So thanks for listening, guys, and uh, see you guys next time.